1: 589 with dr. Stephen Hatfield and as I just told him the very expensive Sony camera has decided to make me fluorescent blue So I look like avatar. So we're not using that one. So um, thumbs down Sony and uh, shout out Apple for having a camera that works, but as you can see over your right shoulder everyone Watching is we're finally doing an episode on your book three seconds until midnight, which If I could give a two-sentence review or a one-sentence review, Mm -hmm. if you wrote it after the pandemic, it would be the biggest grift for money ever. The fact that you wrote it before the pandemic makes it prophetic. (laughs) So it's... Yeah. Yeah. And that's the crazy thing. Please introduce yourself for all the new listeners.
0: Um... Steve Hadfield. I'm a medical doctor and a virologist. And... Uh, fellowships at Oxford, National Institutes of Health, uh, USAMRID at Fort Detrick where I worked on Ebola and Marburg viruses under BSL-4, and monkeypox under BSL-3, and camelpox and a bunch of other poxes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and and you're sorry i'm messing with my microphone and you, i believe you were in the you during the pandemic you spent time in the white house
0: yeah i was called in on 3rd of february 2020 uh to the executive office of the president where i battled fauci for until the 2021 transition that and uh the insanity that came out of the covid-19 task force
1: the suppression of ivermectin hydroxychloroquine and now as of uh, i think yesterday there you know well ever since it's kind of become clear that aspirin helps i don't know if you saw the kind of uh all the same time all the articles coming out saying new study shows aspirin shouldn't be used for for heart attack prevention and but we've we've kind of we've beat this dead horse several times on past episodes i want to talk about your book yeah. It is so—I mean, so much of it is over my head because I'm not a medical doctor like yourself or a virologist, but—
0: Well, you could read
1: it. Yeah, I did,
0: and it's— It, it wasn't written to be over your head.
1: No, 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 no. I mean, I should say— let me re it. Let me reword it. As a millennial— that's what I mean. So let let me, it was, it was written, it was written very well. It is for the layman. It's not, it's not a scientific paper. It's not, not any of that for a millennial. It's of course, I'm going to bitch and complain, but the amount of the amount of accuracy, right? Er, Early on, it's, you know, we're due for a pandemic. It's like, yeah, right. You know, anyone could say that, but as you hone in to the supply lines, the uh, like the push packs um, yeah. and then where you really cracked it out of the park was probably in the last 10, 10% of the book. And it yeah. was, it was media. It was vaccine questioners and the media who could control the narrative if and only if their trust with the public was impeccable. And if they yeah. made any misstep unless they owned it immediately that this could boggle the thing even further. And that's what I mean by if someone had written this after the pandemic, it'd be like, well, no shit that would happen. But you wrote it before, which is just, I mean, talk about, right? Like the PSAs, like how you'd have to have like celebrities and athletes talking about it. And there'd be people, there'd be conspiracies, there'd be conspiracies running around that could get mistaken for truth, misinformation. I mean, to the point where, like, I'm almost questioning, is there a bigger question here? And it's like, do you have access to a time machine? And that's how you wrote this. Is Yeah,
0: it's called past behavior. That's brilliant. By uh, health professionals that are supposed to be in charge of things. Um, look back no farther than the uh, 2014 Ebola crisis. We had spent by that time, they acknowledged $70 billion dollars on biological defense, both uh, BW attacks and, and, and pandemics. And um, it's more closer than my calculations to 120 billion over the last decade. And you couldn't handle 11 Ebola patients without big drama. It's ridiculous. Where did all that money go? I'm still wondering that.
1: Do you think it was embe- um, Do you think it was embezzled or do you think it's just government incompetence?
0: I think it's government incompetence. You know, pandemics since 1918. Um, the US that was sort of our last really big serious pandemic. Uh, we've had four influenza pandemics since then, for the flu. Uh, that we we managed to scrape through those, but we never had a unified national pandemic plan. They tried in the early '70s when the swine flu thing came out, and a couple so- soldiers had died, I think, at Fort Dix, and it was found to be a uh, um, mixture of pig and avian viruses. And there was this mass vaccination program that went out, um, about 600 people called Guillain-Barre syndrome from the vaccine, which was a, uh, paralyzing condition. And they shut it down. I think it was about 600. Um, They had tried after that to get a national plan and you couldn't get the different players to work under the executive branch of the government. Health and human services, um, housing, urban development, transportation, all these cabinet levels couldn't seem to agree. And it just turned into a massive fight and they gave up. 2005, um, this whole question of emerging infectious diseases. So around about the mid nineties, we started getting a, uh, about one new infectious disease that, you know, we'd never seen before as scientists, uh, one a year, um, Marburg virus, Ebola, Um, Those that occurred, the old green monkey fever in the mid 70s. But by 1995, we were seeing a whole plethora of new infectious agents that were jumping from animals into humans. And some very smart people, Stephen Morse, and uh, some other really, really cognizant scientists started working on this. And it was evident by 1995 that the human race had crossed some sort of tipping point. If you look at the number of new influenza strains that were suddenly appearing, you had about four since 1918, and then suddenly a whole rash of new ones. So clearly something was happening in the world. And the most common thing is uh, expansion of the human race. Into areas where um, they have their own viral ecology amongst the animals, uh, diseases that were once hidden in the jungles or uh, the deep forests of uh, certain parts of the world, humans were now coming in contact with these. HIV, HIV started around World War One. Really, it just yeah yeah in the Cameroons. they've traced it back. To the monkeys. I had no idea. Yeah. And uh, as the disease got into Kinshasa, well, whatever it was called back then, uh, it got established in Africa. And when the Tanzania and Ugandan war occurred, people bombshelled out of the area. And when they did that, They took the virus with them. It was taking years to kill you. And with all these human targets, the trucking routes, the north-south trucking routes, don't get your hopes up, a lot of these are dirt roads with huge potholes and it takes like two weeks in Zaire to go 600 miles. I think an ox wagon would be quicker. But um, the virus got into large-scale African populations. And uh, it got nastier. And um, with modern air travel and global interconnectivity, it, uh, it had spread around the world before anyone had noticed. Um, I think the French, uh, the Zaire ambassador, it's now the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Congo. But I think uh, the ambassador for there carried it to France and got into Europe. Uh, Haitians were over there working under contract, under Mobutu Sese Seko, who was uh, the Prime Minister, the leader of the country at the time. And they returned to Haiti, carrying the virus with them. And it got into the uh, intravenous drug users in the United States. That's sort of the projection that's how this popped up. But this was a chronic disease and it took a while to recognize it. And it took uh, really, Hmm. about six years to even start to understand it. Uh, Now we have effective medications that can keep it under control for for a lifetime, multi-drug therapies. In the background of that was a whole plethora of other things no one had ever heard of before. Uh, SARS in uh, 2003, um, a bunch of bat viruses that had jumped, other bat viruses that had jumped, uh, a go-to virus in Kansas, uh, tick-borne, something caused about three deaths so far, but we didn't even know there were go-to viruses in, in, in the United States. This is an nation thing. And um, with modern air travel, uh, I was in a wet market a few years ago in Malaysia, where they have all the live animals. And uh, Asian culture is very sort of strict even today and they like their food fresh. So one of the family members will go to the wet market and uh, the frogs are all in a jar and uh, the chickens are all there, and they'll, they'll whack the chicken right in front of you, and you take it home, and you eat it the same day. Well, there's a lot of species in there, and they're all mixing, and they're all crammed, combined together. And of course, any, any viruses are gonna jump. And uh, RNA viruses, in particular, are pretty good at jumping. And um, they may be adapted to one species of mammal, a bat or something else. And to get to humans is kind of a big jump. Body temperatures are different, immune systems are different. But uh, if we see the same virus in two different species of mammal, sort of a bat and then a civic cat, which is actually a mongoose type of critter, Uh, this tends to have potential to to make another jump into humans or bats into horses like for the hinder virus or pigs these type of things and this was cropping up everywhere. Um, If I remember right 2015 was particularly bad. There's about 12 new emerging diseases that have popped out. Most of these when they pop out it's a uh, it's poorly person-to-person transmitted, and it's a few cases, like in a family or something. And it's recognized as being odd, a cluster of infections, and people are isolated. And you know, it's jumped. It's jumped, but it hasn't adapted to the humans yet. And then uh, the SARS, the first SARS virus in 2003, was like that. It had, it had jumped from bats to civet cats to humans. Uh, and it, the humans did very poorly with the infection, but um, China had, uh, it had broken out in China, and they had failed to follow international health regulations and report the outbreak of a new potentially pandemic disease. And uh, it had spread to Montreal and around the world by the time um, there were essentially forced by circumstances to report it. So with air travel, I was in this wet market and uh, 24 hours later uh, I was in John F. Kennedy Airport. And you start thinking back about it, I could have picked up anything and brought it in. uh, Unknowingly. So all these things have combined to make this concept of emerging infectious disease very, very significant and, and a real risk uh, to, to everyone on the planet. So I, I became quite interested in this mm, around the time I was at Fort Detrick and I'd been in Africa a number of years. We, we'd had a hemorrhagic fever case. I'd run into two. Uh, a Congo-Crimean case and uh, hemorrhagic fever and another one that to, to this day, I, I don't know what it was. We took it into Bob Swanepold, who's who uh, runs a BSL4 lab in uh, Johannesburg. We'd, we'd run the sample up personally. We called in our internal medicine people. And nobody could quite figure out what it was. And uh, Bob got a hold of it. He was one of my lecturers in virology when I was in medical school. And uh, the antibodies showed Ebola, but it was like strange staining pattern. So we didn't call it that. Then to this day, we don't know what it was. And I really got interested. I was going to uh, work at Sandringham in the lab. And I I was scheduled to to move there. (laughs) The government put a wage and price freeze in place. So uh, I went back and did a couple other master's degrees, and eventually medical specialty and came back to the United States. But the concept that this is out there never left me. And um, it really, really got brought home during the uh, during the 2014 Ebola outbreak. And uh, I was called over to Africa to Kenya. And uh, you would think that's the home of the Marburg virus. You would think that they would have a hemorrhagic fever response team. I mean, even Zimbabwe has one of those or had, I don't know the status now. But um, They didn't. And a patient had arrived over from East Africa and collapsed in the airport. And uh, I guess the attending doctors just like ran away. I don't know. But I was called over there to help organize a a rapid response team. And um, the doctors I ran into there were like some of the best I've ever seen. Steven Ngombe, uh, really, really on the ball. And uh, we trained a team of doctors that would be able to go into the villages, look for cases, she, you know, should it get started, Marburg, Ebola, any of the new things, and um, ran exercises and uh, mock drills and how to safely enter. You didn't have the spacesuits there, but uh, Medicines Sans Frontier, medicine, Doctors Without Borders, had shown that in open air you could manage these patients under strict BSL 3 conditions with decontamination and this and that. Didn't change it from being a biosafety level 4 sort of spacesuit needing infection, but it you could handle a large number of patients. Um, although a number of doctors did get sick and and nurses and died in East Africa, but they had a team. And then uh, apparently they're still in use today and they drill and they're ready for it. So it came to the question of 2005, George Bush had uh, established a, uh, he'd read a book on the great influenza pandemic There's a couple of them out there that are really noteworthy written by historians. And, uh, we went through these books very carefully. And, um, we sort of were talking 1998, 99, the biological weapon improved response plan had been created. This would, how would we handle a terrorist attack on a major metropolitan area? And, um, it was a false, it had been actually tested in scenarios called top off exercises. And, uh, so 2005 plan came out, we had a look at this. And the original document was like nonsense. It it was like reading a lawyer's brief on something it really didn't amount to anything. And I thought, well, there must be a classified plan somewhere. So we started poking around, no, no. And uh, about six months after that, some documents started to appear from Health and Human Services. And these had some meat on the bones. Uh, some Some smart people had gotten together And they'd taken parts of the Biological Weapon Improved Response Plan and formulated really what was our first doctor. Uh, They were working out of the National Security Council. Really smart people. And they got a lot of it right. And it was based on the 1918 outbreak. What could be done for the most number of people in the fastest amount of time. The concept of social isolation with the masks and uh, quarantine centers and this type of thing. Uh, The neighborhood emergency help centers, which were a component of the BWIRP. Pop-up clinics, go into these poor disadvantaged neighborhoods early, set up these pop-up clinics, find an effective antiviral drug, and start going door to door, knocking on uh, doors at eight o'clock in the morning. And you go in as with your civic leaders, You know, go in dressed in like weird suits and stuff, spacesuits. You go in with the community leaders and you use universal precautions. If there's a prophylactic drug, obviously you're gonna take that. And by this time, uh, a, what's called a case definition is out there. And you're trying to diagnose potential early cases as doctors have been doing for centuries with signs and symptoms. And if you have a safe drug, uh, you treat the whole family and you quarantine them at home. That was really the plan. Vaccines are nice, but with these rapidly mutating RNA viruses, uh, vaccination is never, never a first line measure. It's early drug treatment, and the earlier, the better. It's like you're in the kitchen and you get a, the stove is on the fire. You don't fire the, phone the fire department and wait for them to come in and put it out, right? You throw water on it. And you put it out yourself before it catches the curtains in the kitchen on the fire completely. Well, we were fortunate when COVID-19 appeared and that the CDC itself had done some very early studies on SARS-1 uh, with a drug called chloroquine that had shown uh, efficacy in tissue culture. Uh, we got indications that the Chinese were making tons of it. Tons of it, suddenly. It's an old malaria drug. Why are they making tons of it? So um, we were following this very, very closely. And some papers in China appeared uh, and and, uh, South Korea was having a problem showing that hydroxychloroquine was even safer and more effective. So by March, our first case had appeared in um, January, I think 19th in uh, Oregon, our first COVID case, <clears throat> it was clear that there were other cases. There had to be. And uh, California, really, I'm sorry, as a, they had some cool people there, very hard workers that recognized what was going on. But by and large, they had let, like New York City, they had the public health just slipped to almost nothing. So the mega city regions, New York area and the LA area were essentially unprepared. And, um, but there was this 2005 plan. They ignored it for Ebola. Um, and For some reason, Department of Homeland Defense and Department of Health and Human Services were jointly put in charge of the pandemic response for Ebola. So you got the cops and you got the doctors and scientists and they're supposed to work together. What they did, they wasted no time in each developing their own doctrine. And I forget who was doing what now. But um, I think it was Department of Health and Human Services wanted to use drug treatment for prophylaxis, if you think you've been in contact with someone, as well as treatment. And Health and Human Services slash CDC wanted to use it just for treatment. So wasn't going to work cuz you need twice the number of doses in the national stockpile. Mm-hmm. You have to buy this stuff, it takes time to make it. Right? Yeah,
1: it's it's not yeah, just on paper. It's
0: <clears throat> no, you you need bricks and mortars.
1: You need you have to have strategic stockpiles around the nation. You got to have are they in the exactly. packets? Are they cryogenic? What it's it's real. Exactly. It's, yeah, it's exactly. Real.
0: And you have to have memorandums of understanding. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. You've got to go out and into these disadvantaged areas, poor resource, and make contact with the community leaders ahead of time, saying, like, if something does happen, you know, here's the plan, here's what we need to do. So the national pandemic plan got divided. Here's what the federal government will do. We'll look for new drugs and vaccines. We'll handle the financial aspects of it um, other th- extraneous things to try to keep things together. <clears throat> the states were required. Oh, the strategic national stockpile will we'll get stuff to you. The states were required to have a drop off point. So, you know, I've got 2 million doses of something coming. The plane's going to land and it's going to drop off pallets and then it's going to take off again. So the states were required to have warehousing available, Mm -hmm. should it be needed, transport, breaking all these pallets down and distributing whatever item it is of medical equipment or drugs out to the local authorities, including the towns. The concept being if a local authority can handle its own epidemic, then the country as a whole should be able to handle the pandemic. But it put a lot of stress on the local authorities, the brunt of it, and there was no way around that. Because what's good for Austin, Texas and their local authorities, the little you know communities, isn't gonna be the same for Washington, DC, isn't gonna be the same for Orlando, Jacksonville, Florida.
1: The middle of Montana. Yeah, it's. Middle it's, of Montana.
0: So the state uh, and county health departments were required to mobilize the doctors and start getting this pre planned. Okay, if this happens, we're going to use that.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to say for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America N.A. Member FDSE.
0: Elementary school is a neighborhood emergency health center. Yeah. Kids yeah. go home for, for a while. Do you know what, a, to, to
1: interrupt, do you know what a lot of this sounds like? It, and you mentioned it in your book, and I'm and I'm, I'm so happy you did. Um, Continuity of Government, one of my favorite books, Raven Rock by Garrett Graff. I legitimately think it's one of the best books ever. I've had him on here. It's a good book. Oh, you, okay, yeah. I, I, I've listened to it so – I harassed him enough that he finally came on my podcast last summer. It was like 900th email. He was like, all right, I'll come on. But but what we're talking about, right? So, okay, so I don't need to explain it to you. You know what it is. It's not all – It's not all on paper, right? It's brick and mortar. The bunkers are built. They have their generators. They have Faraday shields. They have their medications. They have their weapons. Do the steel doors close? Do they have MBC protection? Do they have potable water? Do they have... It's updated. Yes. It's kept... Yes, it's kept going. They have skeleton crews. And when DEFCON goes lower, they are beefed up. And then not only that, what you're talking about with the elementary schools, I mean, as far back as Eisenhower... I mean, there are places around, I'm sure, every city, but specifically Washington, D.C., because when it's a matter of minutes before a warhead comes in, it's if you're here, you are landing. uh, There's a helicopter landing on top of this insurance building. And if you're a mile that way, it's landing on this. uh, A lot of times they used football fields. It's landing here.
0: It's called called a G1 evacuation.
1: Yes, they have it all. It's it's all. I find it
0: humorous that the last to go out are the... Congressmen and women.
1: Oh yeah, no, they were good. I love. It, it is kind of They're a fu- It's kind of a funny slight, right? They were going to go to the Bar Hotel, is. which was like a two-hour yeah. railroad. It's like I thought you said we had thirty <laughs> minutes heads up. Isn't two hours? They're like, yeah, you'll you'll probably make it. Like, and yeah. they don't need you.
0: Yeah, it's- Nancy Pelosi can run out and forget her shoes again. Yeah, it doesn't
1: matter. It's you could tell they were just like, yeah, Congress is going to get vaporized. They didn't care,
0: but. In
1: terms of like a a pandemic plan, you you do see how it's Eisenhower really started to point it out. He was like, where is it? What are we doing? Not just, well, I guess some of us know. Lines of succession, different code words, different bunkers, different levels of preparation. And so that's what you're talking about with this is like, it's not just here's a a pallet. It's here's a pallet. We're going to be using this school. We'll be removing the kids. We're going to have doctors here, security here.
0: Yeah. I could never get... FEMA interested in this. And if you go back through the literature and the documents, even the 2017 update to the National Pandemic Plan, you don't see FEMA mentioned anywhere because they're not trained to deal with an infectious disease environment, a biohazard environment, if you will. So, um, anyway, so we had the plan, and uh, it wasn't bad. And then the Obama administration occurred, and they fired everybody except one, one guy who hung on at the NSC. And uh, Bolton fired him. Well, fire's a rush word. Don't need you. Thanks. Bye. Sure. And, you know, people interrupted their careers when you're called and go there. Oh, well, yeah. Um, I mean, everything takes second. Your your country needs you. Well, you, have, you have no choice. You have to go.
1: You know, everyone knows about, and I'm so sorry for keep keep interrupting you, but everyone knows about like, right, like McNamara, right, leaving, was it Ford to go? Yeah. But there's a lot there's a lot more stories about that, specifically with the missile programs. I mean, guys leading the it's it's actually weird. They're all kind of headed up car companies, but like the head of GM went and did this. The head of Chrysler headed up like the like the Titan two or not Titan, maybe Atlas, whatever it was, Minuteman. All the time though, and it's you're not making nearly as much money. But it's yeah. you're right. All these guys are like, you know, country needs you, and then you come in and you're like, Yeah, we don't need you anymore. Sorry.
0: I got a watch with the pres, uh, executive office seal. Oh, nifty! But it doesn't work. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't work. Yeah, it's
1: fitting. Here's a here's a timepiece, Steve. We're not gonna buy the batteries. All right, asshole. Right? It's yeah.
0: Well, anyway, um, so we had this plan, and. Brother, I went through it carefully, carefully, carefully. It, it took a couple of years, and I had meetings with people, and I knew some of them from from the past, and they were willing to talk. And you started seeing that what we're dealing with here is a strategic issue. It's strategic. It's city destroying. If you have a, this, this COVID 19, um, this was just a hint of how bad things could get. It had an extremely low mortality rate. And we know now that if we can treat you early with a number of drugs, um, it's a treatable condition. You don't die. Yeah. The majority yeah. of people don't die. Like 90% treatable. And the people that do die have so many other things wrong with them. This is the straw that broke the camel's back. So it was perfect. The National Pandemic Plan was perfect for COVID-19 or any other respiratory RNA virus pandemic. We were all worried about influenza and the book is basically focused on influenza but the RNA viruses are pretty much um, outside of a handful. Uh, Every time they replicate, they make mistakes in copying their genetic material. And this is a survival advantage Mm -hmm. for the viruses. So you might have SARS-CoV-2, but you've got a lot of little variations, mutations of that same virus in your body. And they're all vying to be who can replicate the fastest and most efficiently. And in a population, all this is going on. And the viruses decide themselves, which are the fittest for that population. And that becomes the dominant strain. Yeah. By the time the first cases in China had been realized, or admitted to, not realized, but admitted to, there were uh, some 13 different variants out there. So when it hit the United States, we were expecting the trouble to be out on the West Coast. There was a lot of Chinese influence out there,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and especially Canada, Vancouver. Mm-hmm. It even looks like Hong Kong now. Yeah tremendous yeah, all the Chinese investments all and this and that. Yeah. And uh, nothing, I mean, they had cases, but sort of Oregon, those areas were, so you knew it had to be in the LA mega region, but the trouble appeared in New York. And then it, It just suddenly hit me. The United States had received the virus from two different directions. Italy Mm -hmm. is well known for their clothing exports, and they got hammered like crazy. LA's not, I mean, LA seems to be coping, but Italy got hammered because of the garment trade, Mm -hmm. the back and forth, Chinese, Italians, both. And that virus had undergone evolution into a different clade. We call them clades. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the same as the original Wuhan. It had mutated enough and gotten more used to infecting people and better at it. And that's what came over to New York. Whereas the Wuhan strain sort of was the one initially that uh, that got into California, I think that's the easiest way to explain it.
1: Well, yeah, it's like it—it's the thing that started. Wuhan was blitzkrieg, but you know now we're yeah. dealing with like now we're dealing with Hiroshima. It's like it's yeah. sure it started the same, but it's not—it's not—it's yeah. not at all the same. You don't defend against tanks and nuclear weapons the same way.
0: Yeah. What was really interesting and the, uh, the first recognized case in, uh, I think it was Portland, they were ready to try remdesivir. This was an experimental drug. They tried it a little bit during the uh, Ebola outbreak in 2014. And suddenly, I mean, there was remdesivir. This guy had come in, a very responsible individual. He just traveled from Wuhan back to the area, the United States. And uh, he's having a sore throat and fever. And, I mean, when you get this thing, you know it. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt something's cooking here. You feel, I,
1: I had it last August.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There, there's no doubt in your mind. This so, is not yeah. normal. Just exhausted for seven days. Yeah. And, um, he was an older, uh, older than you. And, uh, very responsible, went into an urgent care clinic, said he thought he had this. And, um, apparently they did a test on him and said, yeah, it looks like this. And uh, put a mask on him and he developed shortness of breath. They admitted him to hospital and boom, the team was there with the remdesivir pumping it into him. It's got to be given intravenously. And this guy got better in a, in a couple of days. The appetite was back. The fever was gone and blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, it It works if you're very, very early in the infection cycle when the virus is actively replicating. Uh, It doesn't work if you're in the hospital for a couple days and you're on oxygen. Most of the viral replication has been done. Now you're fighting off the immune system responding to everything. So the COVID-19 is really two diseases. It's an upper respiratory tract infection. And then it goes down into your lungs and it, it goes to your other organs. It's kinda like it's
1: kinda like Smokey the Bear and yeah. and that seven forty seven, the Evergreen, the, the largest firefighting seven forty I think it's the only one. But yeah, yeah. Smokey you know, you put some sand or dirt on the fire pit, don't throw the cigarette into the woods. That's yeah. how that's how you start it. Maybe have some fire breaks around the campground. Versus exactly the entire California mountain range is on fire and you have 747s drop in red, uh, fire, su- uh, suppressant surfactants. Yeah. So it's again, it's same not, thing. not, yeah, it's
0: too, you want to catch it. Yeah. Right at the start.
1: Because yeah, it's not the same treatment all the way through. It's not scalable. It, it's a different thing.
0: Yeah. Uh, so what's important, I think for all Americans to understand, um, uh, What's that Rachel lady's name on MSNBC? Rachel Maddow, something yes. like that. Yeah. So um, she had a go at me a couple weeks ago. And uh, the woman is just senseless. I believe she's been fired or going to spend more time with the family or something. Just completely senseless lady. We were panicking in February and trying to make arrangements for this thing to hit the United States. Small number of us realized that you've got one case here, you've got plenty. Yeah. And we don't know where, and they're probably in the incubation period. So there was this realization um hey the drugs we need are all made in china um the obama administration had allowed to, i i I'm sorry to keep coming back i, I don't care who's running the government no, yeah sure it's not a there, there's You don't allow something like this. It's a strategic thing for the United States. You've got to make certain drugs on US territory and keep quality control over them. And we had allowed these pharmaceutical companies basically just to do what they want. And um, China's gonna need these same drugs. How long until they shut our supply off. So this was the first thing we were working on. What are the essential drugs? We were able to uh, assemble a small team of really smart people and uh, get a list. Now why the COVID-19 task force is not doing this, I have no idea. Because I mean, I ha- I've never seen a collection like that before in my life, and these were all, I think, good people in their own area, but I don't really think they had a concept of pandemic. Most were from the HIV/AIDS era, and uh, Dr. Redfield, I mean, is a very highly trained individual, but. He gets dumped into the swamp that's the CDC's now become with conflicts of interest everywhere and the old boy network, and he's finding it difficult to get anything done. The test kits, I mean, were a travesty, absolute travesty. And the mandate that, oh, you had to take your sample and mail it back to the CDC, because the tests weren't working. Well, how many days are you're gonna lose? Yeah, and seriously, once you start shortness of breath, and if you've got comorbidities and you're older, you got about three days till you're on the ventilator. Yeah, you're
1: going over the edge of the waterfall.
0: You're, you're, you're. you're I call it circling the drain. Sure. So, and these patients are infectious the virus is still replicating out to about day five, six, and some patients even longer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So they're contaminating everyone around them. We don't have enough masks. Healthcare workers are coming down. So that was the second priority. The first was the drugs. And uh, we just before it went out, um, chloroquine got, and hydroxychloroquine got stuck on the list and we found out we didn't have any like we use it for rheumatoid arthritis it's a very safe drug by the way the the media have blood on their hands Uh, seriously ten thousand. the media have helped kill 700,000 people oh i i as an aside
1: i i say that all the time we're we're watching it right now give it a while we're living through the biggest story i think of the it century.
0: It's... It is, and now you see suddenly the drug companies have had enough time to get outpatient treatment tablets yeah. out, which don't appear to be that great. The uh, the Merck one I've I've had a look at some of the data. Right now it's a press release piece, but uh, uh, the drugs we were had selected are superior with th- in 333 studies. So now they're talking outpatient treatment and Fauci's, oh yes, we need outpatient treatment. Well, Dr. Fauci, we had outpatient treatment, it was working, it was safe. But there was a program uh, initiated by Janet Woodcock at the FDA, who's now a temporary FDA commissioner, to get rid of these outpatient drugs. And Fauci follows along, he's got remdesivir, seems to be all that he cares about, which eventually was found not to work and it wasn't worth giving unless you can give it in outpatients. And how are you going to go door to door and give it IV over five days to outpatients? It's an in-hospital drug. And once it's past a certain level, all it is is a toxic compound you're putting in your body. And this, the WHO's uh, summary of it, not mine, And they recommended not using it anymore. It was, they called it uh, no effect on mortality. Treating patients in hospital doesn't stop a pandemic. You have to get out into the communities. Vaccines. We only have a few that last your lifetime. And that's because of the nature of the viruses, measles get your childhood measles shot, you're you're not going to catch measles in your lifetime, pretty much. It takes about a century for that thing to start to get a little bit. It's five proteins that that, that have to mutate all at the same time, randomly. And uh, so the measles is lasting. Smallpox, it's a fairly stable virus. Smallpox will last for your lifetime. Mumps will last for 20 years, 25 years. Chickenpox, that'll last for a long time. These are viruses that mutate. They may have the same mutation rate, but the proteins that they need to get into the cell are complicated and you've got to have all the switches set just right to catch an infection. And the vaccine is blocking this. So the the RNA virus is like COVID-19 virus. It's different. By the time you could even hope to vaccinate your population, the virus has mutated into something else.
1: Yeah, you're you're mailing out, you're mailing out iPhone three chargers to everyone in the nation, but now we're at the iPhone seven. Yes, it's, exactly. Yeah, it's and, like, and they don't work together.
0: No, not even close. So this is what's happened. The vaccines that they're forcing into people now are for the A and B clades of the virus, which no longer exists, essentially. <laughs> They've mutated into other forms than Delta. And now we find out that you can be fully vaccinated but you can still catch Delta, and if you catch it, you have the same amount of virus in your upper airway and oral cavities that an unvaccinated person that catches it has. So you can infect other fully vaccinated patients as well. It's not the unvaccinated that are at risk, it's the other vaccinated. Having a natural COVID-19 infection, your immune system, there's about 20 proteins and I can't remember the exact number, but it's a big virus, a lot of different proteins. And, um, your immune system will make an immune response to a great majority of all those proteins. Yeah. So when a new strain comes along, maybe it's a little better at, getting into you or replicates faster or something, it's got a survival advantage over the previous ones and the immunity, but your body will recognize some of those other proteins.
1: And, yeah, and destroy. And
0: you still get a little sick, but it you make a broad immune response. The messenger RNA vaccines are against one protein only. And you're actually reprogramming If you've been naturally infected and have an existing immunity and they're forcing you to get a vaccine, you're reprogramming your good broad spectrum immunity, long lasting, into fixating just on that spike protein for a virus that no longer
1: exists. So it's, it's like, so that individual spike protein is like changing the iPhone charger, whereas natural immunity is like... You have the iPhone charger, but you also have the iPhone case. Your and it also pairs with your Bluetooth headphones, and it's it has your yeah. fingerprint. And it's natural immunity is like you have all this stuff, so maybe you don't hit it with the charger, but my case still fits on it, and it still pairs to my headphones, and it. Yeah. So it's your body. It's like all right, we still kind of, we still know what it is.
0: That's a millennial analogy <laughs> oh,
1: well we can go much farther back you know you can. oh let's, let's go world war ii anti-aircraft you got to know what I the plane
0: <laughs> i still keep butt dialing people with this thing i <laughs> I hate
1: it. it it's 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 we'll use world war ii you got to know what a city looks like <laughs> from multiple angles at different altitudes and know when to drop the bombs
0: exactly i, I got, yes, all, I got all the
1: analogies i got them all
0: you're good <laughs> so you can see what a mess this has become. Yeah. You cannot vaccinate yourself out of a pandemic like this with this type of a virus. Um, we can we can't do it with flu. Every year there's a new flu shot, right? If you're over 60, those don't really work. So and then there's the point of If you are naturally immunized by catching COVID-19 and we give you the vaccines, when you get another strain of the virus, there is a very good chance uh, you're going to have a worse time. Really? The vaccines reprogram your immune system and Um, it's, it's diminishing your immunity. So we should have had no more than three waves of the virus. We're at the end of the fourth wave. Some scientists are saying, yeah, okay, that'll be the last one. Um, we've got a strain developing in Uganda now that we know very little about. I don't expect anything from this uh, this uh, new strain. But the Uganda, one, Uganda is very heavily overpopulated. And in these sort of cases, it doesn't matter. This thing can back mutate just as easily as gaining new functions through mutation. So I I personally don't think this is over yet. And even if it is, we got a failing grade. And it failed through all levels. Why we got on the path for vaccination to get us out of this instead of early use treatment. I wrote a couple of papers on that. I think we've discussed it earlier on. No one seems to want to believe it, but I saw it. I, I saw the thing, and I saw the individuals involved. It was the wrong choice, and it still happened. The medical journals were involved. The Lancet. The Lancet article, the surgisphere, it was all fraudulent data, but that was the final straw that broke the camel's back for hydroxychloroquine. It was fake, it was made up data, published by the Lancet. Um, And Richard Horton, the the senior editor, was complaining that they didn't want to publish it, but they were forced to publish it. Well, who's forcing you to publish it? You're the senior editor. It's a medical journal. Thousands and thousands of lives depend on what gets there. New England Journal of Medicine. I'm not making any accusations. But when the Ford study came out showing hydroxychloroquine dropped mortality 51% with treatment, as soon as you come in the emergency room, they were giving them hydroxychloroquine soon as they came in with shortness of breath, they were entering that second phase of the disease. 51% reduction in mortality. Nothing does that in medicine. That is a major, dramatic, exceptional answer and finding. New England Journal of Medicine refused to publish it. No, it'll be controversial. We we don't want to publish it. And then I find out Janet Woodcock on the uh, editorial board. This is a lady that had to recuse herself when she was promoted to Operation Warp Speed for any vaccine decisions because of conflicts of interest. I assume we're talking financial conflicts of interest. Oh, she's now the uh, temporary commissioner of the FDA. Dr. Fauci, we saw the first study that came out of China. It didn't do anything, remdesivir, except it was really toxic to the kidneys. They were giving 10-day course. Why are you giving 10-day course of a toxic nucleoside analog when viral replication is over in about four or five days in a good immune person with a good immune system? You're flogging the dead horse. And then to sit on the couch at the White House and announce that, you know, this is the new standard for treatment. No, not at all. So this couldn't have been screwed up anymore if you tried. And we've lost over 700,000 people, and we're still not sure how this is going to end. New York, mega region, de Blasio, the mayor of New York City, the governor of New York City, he's gone now. Um, It's just a shambles. Chickens running around with their heads cut off. You know, Mike Tyson, the boxer, was right. And I want to get an engraved sign put above my desk that says, in the words of Mike Tyson, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face.
1: Yep. it's We've got it all hashed out, and then it happens. Yeah. Right? Raven Rock and 9-11. What ended up happening, ended up flying around Air Force One. <laughs> And the comms didn't work. And the comms didn't work. Communications,
0: and didn't, work. communications didn't work. They, they were getting their news.
1: They were getting their news from Fox and CNN. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, like. So, what the book goes into in the last part, again, this is be before 9 11. We try to show you all the things that could happen if we had a high mortality RNA respiratory virus pandemic. Something was taking out 20, 30% of cases. How do you fix that? The local authorities did nothing. Some of them did, some of them did. And some of the states had very good state pandemic plans. Some of them didn't have any until after the pandemic started, which is a little late. There's a lot of things that have to be fixed. No one thought that it would be this stirred up, but to think that people were sitting back doing nothing when this started is is an absolute fallacy. From February onwards, people were, myself, were putting in 14, 15, 16 hour days. And then the FDA banned hydroxychloroquine. Not once did they admit that it was the virus itself attacking the heart, not the hydroxychloroquine. Thousands and thousands of patients. Now we're still prescribing it off-label. Doctors are where I'm at at the moment. And they're having, continuing excellent results. There's no cardiac effects. Big studies, 11,000 patients. Wonderful. 70% effectiveness. with no cardiac events. We've hooked people up to heart monitors, 24-hour. For a short five-day course of hydroxychloroquine therapy, no change from the baseline when the ECG started. It works, but it was an excuse to ban the drug from outpatient use because if you have an effective outpatient treatment that's safe, can't then the vaccine to has to go through the full multi-year. can't do the EUA. You can't get the EUA.
1: It's it's going to go down. I, I keep saying it. it it's going we you can't whoever said the quote history never looks like history when you're living through it. It's only in hindsight when it kind of solidifies that you can see what it was. Yep. But what we're living through right now is is the is the trying to convince the American people that we need to go into Iraq because they have WMDs. And you can't yeah. see it while you're there. I'm but now we look back and we go, all those lives for what? Right now, the banning of hydroxychloroquine, the, you, can't, you can't say ivermectin on, so, on social media. you got to use different letters to spell it out. It is, it's, we are seeing the coordinated suppression of those things, and the direct result of that is 700,000 Americans dead. I don't know when it will come out, well, but it's going to be the biggest gonna, story.
0: We've got enough research now on ivermectin to show its safety profile and its efficacy. And you can give the two drugs together, hydroxy and uh, ivermectin. Hydroxy seems safe for pregnant women, ivermectin, we're not sure. So best to leave them out of that, but... um, June, July, second wave, time frame, I had to endure... um, phone calls from ERs and ICUs that couldn't get remdesivir. To tell you the truth, we didn't even know how to make it. It was all made in China. And they they just took the patent and started making it and said, stuff you. And it took time to find chemists that could make it here And uh, I'm, I'm not sure where it was finally made that my pay grade, but um, pleading with me in tears, where can we get hydroxychloroquine? And we had 62 million doses sitting in the national strategic stockpile and no remdesivir, nothing because of a couple of idiots in the government at a high level position. Dr. Anthony Fauci, Dr. Janet Woodcock, Rick Bright, who eventually got fired by President Trump for insubordination, conspiring with Janet Woodcock to get an EUA instead of an investigational new drug authority for hydroxychloroquine. Some people helped us get 62 million doses. We have friends in the world still, other countries. And some of this was donated, a lot of it. And some of the active precursors were donated. The agreement was, we didn't want this being, they didn't want this being sold on the market for profit, right? Fair enough. We don't want you making money. This is for a time of emergency. And we pledged, yeah, okay, we'll get an IND. And it'll come from, put it in the national stockpile, which is under control of Rick Bright at BARDA. And um, it'll go through that system. We'll be sold on the market for rheumatoid arthritis or scleroderma or lupus or anything else, connective tissue disorder. And uh, Janet Woodcock Rick Bright was given the order, President, Secretary Azar, Dr. Cadillac at Asper. Three levels of command. Get an IND. All he had to do, it was paperwork. That's all he had to do. Janet Woodcock phoned him the next day. This isn't this isn't Rick Bright's own whistleblower complaint. He outs Janet Woodcock. I'm not doing it. It's the legal document. It's his formal whistleblower complaint, can call it up on the internet, page 43. He's proud of the fact that he committed insubordination. And then he did the worst thing. When the EUA arrived, he went to the biased mainstream media and told them this is a terribly dangerous drug. People are gonna die if they take this. Then you had the fake papers come out. The Brazilian study where they actually gave toxic lethal doses of chloroquine to patients that were already dying of cancer, HIV, everything else. And then the veteran study. Again, they picked the worst patients that were already dying of other conditions. They were circling the drain and they gave them hydroxychloroquine or sorry, chloroquine, and they died, sorry, hydroxychloroquine, and they died. They were going to die anyway. And then you've got Neil Cavuto on Fox Business News screaming, if you're brought into the hospital and they try to give you chloroquine, don't take it. You will die, it will kill you. All because President Trump had received a dose when his valet uh, became ill. And um, you didn't catch it the first time around. And that's pretty close contact when, when you're valet. You're around them all the time. So, Mr. Kabuto, how many people did you kill? Or should I call him Dr. Cabuto now? Anyway, this is the stupidity. That we had to watch for a year, and once hydroxychloroquine was banned, there was nothing further to do. We tried getting an EUA reinstated. We had more than sufficient evidence, and the FDA wouldn't even consider it. Stephen Hahn, a gifted doctor two medical specialties, radiation therapy and oncology. Temporary was uh, the choice for FDA commissioner. He was following the chat, the doctor's chat groups. I know because his name was just in front of mine of the doctors that were using hydroxychloroquine and in September, 2020, he got on a radio program and said, yeah, I, I think hydroxychloroquine really does something. Well, why wouldn't you reinstate the EUA for the Ford Group so they could do the Fauci study, randomized clinical trial? It wasn't necessary. Randomization is something you only need if, if the, the benefit is very, very small. With 51% improvement in mortality, you don't need randomization. In fact, you're intentionally killing patients If you don't give it to them, if you put them in a control group, you're killing them. Some of them. Plus it was backed by the Mount Sinai study and a large French study. This is early use hospital, not outpatient, early use hospital, showing 61%, 67% I can't remember which improvement in mortality with no cardiac events. Doctors are tired. You see 40 patients maybe in a day. Or you've been in theater on your feet all day long. Then you got ward rounds to do. Then you go home, you get a bite, play with the kids, talk to the wife, and go to sleep. Get up, repeat the same thing. Your chance to get news is very short. Mm -hmm. Maybe, if you're lucky, you can take the weekend off and read your journals to try to keep up with your particular field. Maybe.
1: Yeah.
0: Or maybe once a month. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. No. But here comes all the crappy papers that never should have made it into publication, never should have made it through peer review. And the little news blurbs of Neil Cabuto screaming frantically, this will kill you. Don't take it. Well, there needs to be some liability associated with this well, as, as okay. well as as well
1: as censorship though like you said you have you're doing all this you're you know I do this podcast for a living. I get to read as much as I want I do I probably listen to ten plus hours a day of audiobooks yeah you're doing everything you just said or not medicine, you're a lawyer or whatever and then you go and you search for something and the the news you' you don't even know that what you're looking for is censored. you're just Every article about hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin or quercetin or vitamin D or or whatever is, I mean, that's what I got banned for, was talking to Dr. McCullough about quercetin and vitamin D and uh, yeah. tr- turmeric and uh, zinc. Yeah, You're right. It's, so it's not even that, like, it's the little blurb you get. It's, to quote Rumsfeld, right, it's the unknown unknowns. You don't know yeah. it's being censored. You just assume this is America, freedom of speech, and, yeah, go home, play with the kids, see the wife, see the dog sack out and then it's yeah you you don't have time to go through all of it dr hatfield i gotta use the restroom real quick (laughs) please excuse me (laughs) i I gotta pee so i gotta pee so bad you can go too if you need to
0: no i uh
1: i don't have prostate issues apparently i do Is, is dawn is dawn there
0: no, Don's got prostate issues. Well, we slow, well he issues.
1: always laughs at me for this shit. Well I'll I'll be back in thirty seconds. Dr. Hatfield, tell him where to get your All book. All right, buddy. Tell him where to get your book.
0: <laughs> My name is Walt Garrison. Football rodeo star. I don't often get to relax. There's times when a man needs a bit of relaxing. That's why I chew Copenhagen. Little pinch between your cheek and gums. Real relaxing. I always wanted to do that.
1: Maybe it is prostate issues. Maybe I, maybe I need to stop. Maybe I need to stop drinking three of these before.
0: Did you leave the camera on?
1: Oh yeah. No, I know. I'll cut it out.
0: No, no, because I did my Walt Garrison commercial.
1: Okay, good. Well then, yeah, yeah. No, it's I don't know what that is.
0: You're too young. I am too young.
1: Um, Walt Garrison
0: was a football and a rodeo star. Okay. I don't know. He used to do the Copenhagen adverts.
1: Well, maybe they'll advertise us now. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll, maybe they'll get on here now. Um, what I was gonna say is, uh, real quick, to go back when you, you know, someone like Neil Cavuto, like yeah, like you know, he's not a doctor, he's an idiot. But you know, pointing out like Fauci and Woodcock, yeah, I, I've been trying more and more to go out of my way to, to not call them idiots because that is. That's far too kind. They they know what they're, you know, you know, subordinates.
0: Well, Janet Woodcock has a subspecialty in rheumatology. That's what I mean.
1: They're not idiots. They know she's what they're an, doing. She's they're an doing. internal medicine specialist. It's a
0: hard specialty to get through. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. They know what they're, that's what I mean is but they know what they're doing. She
0: was aware of the safety record. Of the
1: yeah. Backwood. yeah. Bormond, Goering, Goebbels, Otto Scorseni. They weren't stupid. They knew exactly what they were doing. IG Farben knew what Auschwitz was. I don't give them the benefit of the doubt of saying they're stupid.
0: They knew what they were doing. um, I really didn't believe it until um, Rick Bright's whistleblower complaint came out. Because, I mean, Rick would come over to the office I was in and we saw eye to eye on a lot of things. We still see eye to eye on a lot of things. This new uh, Merck, this beer. Uh, uh, I don't know why they can't make a nice name for an antiviral, but it's always a tongue twister. But we both, we haven't talked about it, I haven't talked to him, but we both agree that you know this this caused cancer in uh, tissue culture studies, mutations, and you want to give it as a COVID treatment, outpatient. Ah, oh, you need a lot of animals to. Certainly, pregnant women can't take it. That's that's just from the get go. Um they're seeing 50% improved mortality in their clinical studies phase one and two, I guess, uh, that is the bare minimum before you consider anything in a clinical trial. You, you really need above 50%. And, um, Anyway, it's just, you can't make this stuff up. It's tragic. There needs to be accountability. Who allowed the governor of New York, because he's too stupid to have had his public health people identify suitable buildings as alternate care sites and put cots in. You saw the Javits Center in New York. That's an alternate care site. It's nothing great, but you know, ECG monitors are handheld now. Yeah. Pulse oximeters, you can buy them at CVS. It's not fancy technology. The staffing for these things had all been worked out. We knew that for every 150 patients with a respiratory virus, not the ones that are on ventilators, and ICU, but the early ones that are short of breath and this and that, we knew how much oxygen they needed. We knew how many nurses we needed. Uh, I don't know if they call them nursing assistants or what they call them now. We knew how many they needed, and how many doctors to watch over. It was never done. The setting these sites up so they were supported by parent hospitals because you got to bring meals in yeah you got to do this you got to do that which is why the high schools are ideal they have bathrooms they have a cafeteria have dining areas all you have to do is bring in the cooks and the food and the metal trays and here's your meal bring it to the bedside It's not difficult to do. Nobody did anything there. And you need to remember in March, all we had to go on for modeling was the inaccurate Ferguson study, which is showing 2 million dead Americans within weeks, a few weeks. So I don't want to hear that nobody was working or aware of the difficulties that were coming from the pandemic nor do I want to hear that it all stopped when there was a problem with the elections. It all stopped because Democrats shut down hydroxychloroquine. People left over from the Obama administration. Fauci, Woodcock, Rick Wright. We had no drug to give them now. There is nothing. Outpatient treatment was banned by Dr. Fauci and his COVID-19 treatment group. We had a Zoom meeting with him. I was out of the picture, and uh, uh, another senior person was having the meeting, and they. They were talking the biggest load of nonsense till I, I just I lost my temper. I mean, it's just rubbish. When you're for, they had five papers showing that early treatment didn't work. One of those papers wasn't even peer reviewed. You're that desperate? You're going to show a non-peer reviewed paper? One, uh, the rest of them were late hospital studies. Late use, they weren't early use outpatient. You are that desperate. And he brought on about 10, maybe 15 people onto that Zoom meeting to support him. Ridiculous. You don't bring those numbers on unless you have no clue what you're doing and there's safety in numbers, and you know there's safety in numbers. You know, heads need to roll here, or it'll happen again.
1: Mm -hmm. I think it – I do think there will be – and perhaps I'm just being idyllic and positive. um, Right now I'm reading a book called The Arms of Krupp, K-R-U-P-P, the German Army. Um,
0: Manufacturer? Yeah, Yeah. from 1587
1: to 1968, just – I mean it's still longest I'm still going through it's like a 40 hour audiobook but but I'm at a point right now where they're talking about it's it's just after World War II and you know croup using slave labor and yeah. and this this author's covering uh, you know covering the trials, like the Nuremberg trials, all the interrogations afterwards. And I'm astounded that you know in a t- in yeah. a time where that happened without social media, They were still able to, years later, be talking and be like, is it true that on this day uh, these women were put inside of this cage and they were treated? And it's – I'm always astonished when reading about the Holocaust, aside from all the – just how horrible it is. But at the trials afterwards, the amount they were able to dig in and try individual people, right? Because on face value you go, oh, six million dead. Just hang them all. But they actually went in and found the individual things they were doing, yeah. and that was no social media and no email records. I do believe – I don't know when it will happen, but I do believe one day they will, they will go in and it will be on April 9th, 2020, did you did you or did you not send this email, Anthony Fauci? On October 7th, 2021, did you or did you not – There it will mm-hmm. be. If they could do it post-45 with, yeah. with Krupp, then – they're going to do it now. It's,
0: it will happen. We so. Well, you know, the FDA are in serious trouble. They've had two other senior people resign <laughs> yeah. over the boosters. Yeah. Uh, two days ago, all the Scandinavian countries banned Moderna vaccine. Uh-huh. And we want to vaccinate our military with uh, these things. Pfizer's already, they put a uh, warning on it for myocarditis in young people. Um, and you want to vaccinate our whole military. We've lost F-22 pilots that said, I'm out of here. Bye.
1: Isn't that interesting that the most disciplined elite members of, of athletics, of Delta Force, of F-22s, probably B-2 spirit pilots. Isn't that interesting that the very disciplined guys
0: (laughs) know when to go? For a vaccine that that doesn't work anymore. (laughs) Yeah, it it doesn't even work. Senator Johnson was showing on the Senate floor, he was showing the graphs. It's no longer working. Vaccinated can catch it. They can give it to other vaccinated. It's not stopping transmission. British data shows 60% of the cases are in fully vaccinated people that are coming into hospital and deaths. This antibody-dependent enhancement was not well-researched. We saw it in the monkeys with the uh, when they tried to make a SARS vaccine, SARS-1. I've never seen such a mess in my life. I, I didn't know it was possible. And you want to blame it on the President Trump? Give me a break. He's not a doctor, and he didn't try to be one. He was given what he was told were the right people to be on the COVID-19 task force. Surgeon General is a very nice man, but too young. Dr. Renfield is a very nice man, a very smart man, very well-trained tropical medicine, virology, just a really nice guy. You want a Tasmanian devil, when you put them in these positions. You need a carnivore. Okay. The deep state has been there for years, these, these liberal federal employees. Um, It's, uh, it's the same throughout government. We had tried everything back to the book. The last good meeting I had was with Northcom at the Pentagon. And I'm trying to explain, and this was really senior. I'm trying to explain, I know you don't want the job, but there's no one else to do it. Look at Katrina and FEMA. Category four hurricane, the dikes fail, city floods. That had been the scenario that had been reviewed yeah. six months before the hurricane. Yeah. And who was the ma- mayor of New Orleans then? Oh, he oh. went to jail eventually, I think. I can't, I don't remember. Anyway, it all fell to pieces chaos until you brought the army in well and and and
1: you as you say in your book about that but to just address what you just said it's not even like this was a snowstorm in los angeles or yeah or a heat wave in the arctic circle no this yeah. is a hurricane in new Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it's you know it's like well hold on you know we we knew what was, but yeah, and it's.
0: But I was so proud of that army general. He came. He didn't raise his voice. He's calm. This is under control. We'll fix this. And he got her done. Uh, amazing guy. This is the type of thing you need in moments of crisis. The military. Unless it involves force protection, they don't want the job. And I understand that. I understand it. Their job is to hurt people and break things Yeah, to defend the country. I understand that. But the National Guard's a bit different. And um, I think this is probably where... The, f- the future may lie. What we need is a, uh, we need a couple things, and I bring this out in the book. We have data mining systems that it's no secret. Yeah, um, Canadian developed system picked up the SARS-1 virus in China. We knew there was a virus causing trouble about a month, I think, before the WHO announced it. Because it was data mining. And it saw the financial report of a Chinese company and flagged it because there was a sudden uptick in antiviral drug sales. There were alerts in 2009 with the H1N1. There was another data mining system running and not only did this pick, it was private, East Coast, West Coast office, venture capital funded, worked magnificently. They picked up the fact there was an H1N1 influenza outbreak in this little area in, um, in um, Mexico that um, was actually where the, where the outbreak started because some children had died and some wives were causing a disturbance and a Mm -hmm. protest. They tracked it back and it it was nearby the largest, one of the largest pig farms in Mexico, which is birds, pigs. Mm -hmm. So we knew it worked, but it was a private venture. There was no way to do boots on the ground verification, on-site verification. We do this with nuclear weapons you sign an international agreement and your inspectors rock up, they're allowed any time to rock up and see what's going on. If you sign on to the WHO, there should be a provision. We can have an inspection team there anytime we want
1: mm-hmm.
0: in any area we want and look at what we want health-related. We don't have that. And as we've seen, Even a week's early warning of a pandemic potential, there's a lot you can do in a week. The stupidity of what was going on with COVID-19, we could see that something was going on. we could see that it was expanding, which means it's person-to-person transmissible. They kept denying this, the Chinese authorities, and they were reaffirmed by the WHO, oh no, there's no evidence, it's person-to-person transmission. Nonsense, your hospitals are filling up. Of course it's person-to-person transmission. Oh, you locked down Wuhan Nobody in or out, and this likes what, seven-something million people or more? You lock down Wuhan, but you're allowing everybody to travel internationally. Over a million Chinese entered and left the United States during that time, but you've locked Wuhan down. What's going on? We should have had an inspection team over there in those hospitals with free access. Or don't sign on to the WHO. There's commitments you make when you sign on to the WHO. But if your best friend is the director of the WHO, your best Chinese friend, you get to do what you want. It's a travesty. So, we need an improved surveillance system, I would guess data mining based, plus traditional. We need boots on the ground capability, and that includes going into war zones, where a lot of these emerging infectious diseases appear. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, 90% of our conflicts have been in these same geographical areas. Uh, threatened biodiversity areas. So we need troops, special troops, that are trained in epidemiology. We had this in Vietnam when it kicked off. We had a field epidemiological survey team. Uh, It was a special forces unit that would go into an area, see what nasties are there, and uh, sometimes actually intervene and stop it. There were some plague outbreaks and they did very well with. So that's one thing. The second is a fusion center, but a proper fusion center. And we tried to address this in the book. See what the rumors are with data, another data mining system and what conspiracy theories and wacko things are going on. And then put out honest information. If you don't know, tell people you don't know. You've got to be honest with, with the population. You don't promise them things that you can't deliver.
1: It's, it's irreversible damage when, you know, it's, it's like growing up as a kid. Right. And they say, uh, You know, it's like uh, cigarettes will give you cancer. it's like, all right, you know, drinking will make you sick. And you drink and you throw up and you're like, all right. And then they're like, weed will make you see the devil. And then you smoke weed. You're like, I just ate some brownies and went to sleep. Well, now you don't trust them. So when they say meth is bad, there are kids that are like, well, they lied about that. So during a pandemic, when they say hydroxychloroquine doesn't work, and then you've got doctors going hydroxychloroquine works, they've irreversibly lost all credibility and now it doesn't matter if they tell the truth because now you're looking at them going, uh, uh, no, I don't believe it.
0: Well, my nightmare found out when I found out there was no Santa Claus.
1: Well, you know, some of us went through, my dad told me and my brothers that he shot the Easter bunny. So, you know, you know, you, you yeah. said 12 gauge. They shot it dead. Trauma for life. Hey, you know, but you learn early that, you know, you're like, all right, but it's, yeah, you were saying the fusion centers as well as in the entire... Like- Get a
0: fusion, these fusion centers, but it's all in one area. <laughs> everything. Media, data mining, and your response. We we show the illustration of, I call it a pandemic train, a disaster train. They're so cool.
1: I, but I, everything- I love trains, so this was right up my alley. <laughs>
0: All our big cities were founded on the railroads. Yeah. Even Highland Park has railroad tracks still there in Detroit. I don't know if it's functional or not, but it could be made functional. Oh, well, yeah. They're doing it 50 so, years before the Civil War. Everything pre packy. You can make trains as long as you want, you can put operating rooms on them, clinics, housing. For surge medical personnel, you put it on these command and control, but have it all prepackaged. And when you're not using it, rehearse it. Yeah. Go into these poor areas and put on clinics. Take the cataracts out of the old people. Yeah. You know, do the this, do the that, do the screenings, do flu shots, just whatever. Whatever. But, the people that are going to be on the train in a real crisis are doing their thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's you see what I'm saying? Well, it's again, it's like the cog con drills. It's like you got to yeah. always be right. Eisenhower would sometimes just pick up the phone and go Opal 3 just to see how mm-hmm. long it would take for a helicopter to get there. Right. Yeah. He, He had the directors. He had had Edgar Hoover. I think he had Dulles, Angleton. He had all the heads. deans. They all went to Mount Weather. And it was like, how long does it take? What happens? Traffic jams, blah, blah. But you keep it. Don't let the dust gather on it because it won't work.
0: The, The thing I like to point out and the effectiveness for this, look in the 60s at the Probably the outside of the Battle of Breton, this was the best fusion center ever created. It was our satellite tracking, mm-hmm. our BMUs and line radar stations looking for bombers coming over the North Pole. And the system was designed with a verification as part of it, and an action arm. And it was all exercised together. Radars picked this up, verification by other means, Scramble emergency pilots. war yeah. order, right down to the guys practicing turning the key to launch the missiles, yeah. or oh, flushing yeah. the bombers. Yeah. It was all exercised and treated as one thing, from warning to action. That is a fusion center.
1: Yeah, LeMay's Strategic Air Command. He had it. whole to, thing. He went to every base in the U.S. and buttoned <laughs> it
0: up. I'm telling you, we need Admiral Rick over. We need Curtis LeMay back.
1: If I always talk
0: about Curtis LeMay on this podcast, we do. I mean, he killed a lot of people. He bombed them back to the Stone Age.
1: Well, he was scared that if we lost World War II, he goes, "Well, I'm going to be hung for war crimes."
0: We would have been. Yeah. But we weren't going to lose World War II. Yeah.
1: Do you know that General Leslie Groves, in charge of the Manhattan Project, actually said they were concerned because they wanted to use the A bomb on an untouched city so they could actually get, like, you know, feedback from it?
0: We we intentionally left the firebombings in Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Dropped the bomb.
1: Well, they were concerned because they're like, LeMay is, (laughs) you know, the number of untouched cities is dropping every day because LeMay, and LeMay, like a madman, he was in the front plane,
0: (laughs) cigar chomping. When, and nobody messed with us for a long time. Yeah. I'm sorry. I've been in a war. It's the worst thing you can imagine. Um, It's something that should be avoided at all costs. But if you're going to do it, then do it right. You go all out.
1: The, The LeMay quote about force. If we're going to do it, use too much of it. You yeah. use it on people that have nothing to do with the war and do it with an overpowering manner because you will ultimately save lives. Yeah. If you're going to open the gates of hell, use some WD-40 and open it. Don't you don't creak it open. You, if you're going to, if we're going to do this, yeah, we're going to, yeah, we're going to, but with strategic, I was thinking about that earlier, what you're saying about the fusion centers but, and
0: practicing. Well, this is a thing. Listen, and this is the equitable part to pandemic defense. We've seen the trillions of dollars it could cost. We have approximate budgets for how much, I haven't been idle. I'm not, I can't balance my own checkbook, but I'm pretty good at calculating what this would cost and what that would cost, or I phone somebody that knows what it will cost. You need an Admiral Rickover to, to, Ruthless price control so the contractors don't overfeed, but we can put in a superior system, integrated, ready for, because the real one will come.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Probably not, I probably will live to see it. The big one with 30%, 40% death rate, it will come eventually. Mother Nature is not happy with us. We, no other large mammal, has ever achieved our population densities. Yeah. So really, we're an experiment. We're, a bi- we're are the human race is a biological experiment, and when Mother Nature has enough. We need to use our brains and treat the threat of pandemics with the same respect and preparations we use for nuclear war.
1: Well, on that note, what I wanted to point out was you know when lemay first got to europe he said that at the current rate that we are losing bombers and the current rate at which we are building them we would be we said we would be without an air force in 30 days and he said he will ne- beginning of richard Rhodes's book dark sun about the hydrogen bomb <laughs> lemay talks about that he goes i will never forget that feeling of we were about to be finished and so you know he goes on takes on strategic air command comes back sets up everything we have the radar systems we have the dew line we have those it's amazing p- but what that came from was a man who went into World War II, saw how fucked we were, and then also yeah. saw, you know, the power of a nuclear warhead and how war yeah. changed forever. He had plans that he called killing a nation. It you, you almost need the fear of God put into you. And perhaps that's what this is, is this pandemic was our collective lame in Europe. And now we're going to have something where it's like, hey, we can't just have like you know, some masks stockpiled in a warehouse somewhere. Like you need yeah. a team. Like you talked about those planes, like the bio lab planes that could go pick people up and seamlessly put yeah. them into BS. I think that's maybe, but I imagine that's what we're going to see or some like post nine eleven NORAD updates. You might almost yeah. need these events to kick you in the ass. I can't
0: think of any bigger kick we could have had.
1: Well, that's what I mean. It's, Pearl Harbor, yeah, you, you go, all right, time to wake up.
0: It, it really is. And we've got good people in this country. Don, Brigadier General, well, I think she ended up Major General, Donna Barbish, recognized this back in the mid-90s, that this was a huge problem. And she was really involved in the BWIRP. Mm-hmm. And everybody involved or most of the people involved, realize that this is great because it's got handoffs to emerging infectious disease. And it did, when you got some people actually working in that field. Um, CDC needs massive reorganization. FDA needs to go back to its old ways, where the FDA does the drug testing, not the drug company itself, okay? You know, Pfizer was fined. I think it's over three billion dollars over the last ten years for two thousand nine, three point. All 10. sorts of nonsense going on. Yeah, and now they're put in charge for their <laughs> th- th- this new Pfizer COVID vaccine is just the old one with a new product insert. It's the same thing. It's it's against a extinct virus. Combinati. Yeah, Yeah. And we're going to put Pfizer in charge of collecting adverse events because the FDA has said, well, we can't do it. We're incapable. They state that in their in their authorization letter. I got an article coming out on that. We'll, I, well, in fact, I think it's on the AND website. Uh, Sam Vadas, I think he's put it on there. We'll put IG Farben in charge of uh, Nuremberg. This was our last warning, I think. And I don't see anything happening. Um, you know, suggestions of a new pandemic plan, I can't bear to, re- I leaf through it. The new Biden plan, I, I can't bear to read it.
1: I mean, I think your train plan is probably the most brilliant. It's using the oldest, most established networks. They can, you know, they can be in, I mean, what? There are trains in Australia that are like six, seven kilometers long. You can, mm-hmm. you right? And we have histories of using them in World War One, like hospital or trains. Or you can join
0: two or three hospital trains. Uh-huh. You can join two or three together. But the key is to get in early to these disadvantaged neighborhoods. I'm not worried about the wealthy areas. You've got to get it in too. Because
1: that's where it spreads is the disadvantaged areas.
0: This is, and they've got higher comorbidities, they've got larger families, higher um, population densities. Higher population densities uh, may not understand the need for like public health things like social distancing or something. But more likely to use public transport. Sure. You know, I mean there's areas where there're food deserts. Mhm. The the supermarket is miles and miles away. You know, you're forced to use public transport to do your shopping and bring it back. This is critical. And you know what? It's always been critical. These neighborhoods are where you, if you got any vaccine that's effective and safe. These are the communities that should get it first. You've really got to make an intense effort here. So, and I mean, we saw it in COVID-19, these these poor areas got hammered. Well, they always get hammered. It, it This has to be part of the national plan, which means, because I'm not gonna rock up in a moon suit And everyone's going to trust me? Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, you want to stick that in my arm? Oh, no. Yeah. You've got to work with community leaders and make them part of it. Make them part of the response. But we're what? Over 50,000 public health care workers short. Our university programs and masters in public health, they don't really teach anyone how to manage a pandemic. I don't know what they teach. You you study other countries' healthcare systems and chronic disease and this type of thing. Come on. We, we really need a public health revolution. And this has been going on. Laurie Garrett, have you read any of her books? Mm-mm. Oh, my gosh. The Coming Plague and Betrayal of Trust. They're big, thick things, but she takes takes you right through the concept of emerging infectious disease and right through what's happened to our public health systems. And if you really wanna be frank, the only reason we can live together in the large groups that we now live in are because of public health. When it takes me two hours to drive through Atlanta the other day going to Tennessee and two hours to drive back at different times. Everybody should be asleep. It doesn't matter. It's 24-7. Public health allows it. It's time to return to the old way of doing things. And we've got new technology. We can do better than we did it. But if there's no will, and I mean, we're bankrupt now. Where are we gonna get the money for revamping public health? Gee, it'd be nice to have some of that stimulus thing or this infrastructure, Don't don't you, isn't public health an infrastructure? If the bridge is down, I can swim across the river to get to where I'm going if all the gas stations don't work because everyone's dead and there's no one to pump gas and deliver it it's a bit of a different question yeah we 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 need to seriously treat this in the way it should be makes sense it
1: it almost feels like that part of Raven Rock where Eisenhower started to realize there's going to be no civil defense like it's largely a a mental, it's an, it's an opiate for the masses, the idea that we're going to go to these local things and, you know, we each get this many calories a day. And the reality, it's very early on they realized, Hey, we'll have these. So people feel like they're safe. The reality is this, we're going to NORAD we're going to Mount weather. We're going to Raven rock or we're going to the Greenbrier, And that's about it. And some people are going to survive. I can't help, but feel like there's probably a similar discovery going on in the continuity of government chains like hey during the oh, big no, listen, one
0: no it was already there that's what i did discover early on
1: oh okay
0: the uh national disaster medical system um ba hospitals um National strategic stockpile. Big portion of that is for continuity of government yeah. in an infectious disease outbreak. Yeah. Make no mistake. Oh, they'll, they'll be fine. Vaccines. Their are military's head of the priority military and government. No, I'm not talking these silly ones, the messenger RNA event, but I mean a proper vaccine, if you're lucky enough to have one for the condition, i will go to the military and government and state governments. The first effective drugs will go to the same thing until they're banned. It looks like now doctors, America's frontline doctors, if I read the thing right, looks like several hundred congressmen and senators have had ivermectin that they got for them for COVID-19. Yeah, but Pierre Corey said that. And it's banned. (laughs) It's not FDA approved.
1: I mean, that's what I mean by... This is is the joke of this whole thing.
0: People need to be held accountable.
1: That's what I mean, is it, it will... We're still in the pandemic and these little leaks are coming out. Just give it time. It'll, it's going to all, it always does. It always, it's too big.
0: It's, it's, it is too big.
1: Right. You whack JFK, maybe you just got to keep one or two people silent and then it goes, it goes away forever. Uh, A a pandemic with, with generic drugs being suppressed and media suppressed. There are too many people involved, Right. Manhattan Project, still so many people involved that, yeah, they're, you know, we got the Rosenbergs, we got Klaus Fuchs, it eventually gets out. It's too big yeah. to be kept quiet.
0: Yeah.
1: It'll fall apart. Yeah. And as we always see when these things fall apart, it's exponential. It appears as a monolith for
0: a long time. Think the I'm, af- I'm afraid until we start getting accountability, <clears throat> there won't be the urgency to get something in place. ...to replace this... Oh, morse you know, In Afrikaans, oh, oh, a humorse. A humorse? A total mess-up. Okay. A rubbish mess-up. A clusterfuck. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. In less formal terms. In less formal terms.
1: So. But it... You know, I and you know, things do look dark, but I have found in my short life that I have to stay positive. Not to be idyllic with my head in the sand. Like I gotta be a realist, but at the same time I have to stay positive or, you know, how do you get out of bed in the morning? I do I do see this as being a wake up call that like LeMay, sometimes you just get you get your ass kicked and and that's what it takes to get going. That's what it takes to, well, to, to for actual change. You know, it, it wasn't intolerant. Americans.
0: Americans love to fight. Yeah, we like to win.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: we've been taught for twenty years to be afraid. Tape your doors shut. Tape your windows shut. Nerve gas crap like that that's not the american way no the american way is we go overseas and we beat the hell out of people that want to do that to us
1: yeah it's you know, patent right you don't die yeah. for your country you make the other poor bastard die for his yeah
0: we need to fight we need to get tough and we need some serious people in branches of federal government that actually care for the American people um, and want to do the right thing want to do the right thing
1: but again I, I feel it's not until these events happen that that corrections get catalyzed
0: well, they've happened
1: yeah well that's what I mean is, I always knew you grow up and you're like, yeah, freedom of speech is important. Yeah, But, you know, now I'm 31. I've been banned for YouTube for talking about medications. And now all of a sudden I am in, deeply invested in, you know, talking about freedom of speech. Sometimes yeah. you have to have these things challenged in order for you to realize how valuable they are. Right. It's not until you get a flat tire that you realize how great it is to have a car. You're like, oh, shit, I got to go to Walmart. It's something you don't think no. about right it's not until your phone's dead that you realize oh i'm naked i can't contact the world right yeah. it's so it that's what i think is the the silver lining is all throughout history the biggest right necessity is the mother for invention but uh who was it um Vin, dr vince Hufton said uh in desperation is the drunk uncle he calls you at three in the morning and goes i just need five thousand bucks i've got a plan right it's that's not that's how we get here
0: yeah we we've got a time constraint here i believe i think i think the big one's coming sooner rather than later you're you're probably right and i know i've
1: kept you for two hours so i i won't i won't keep you much longer but you know we've talked about it on our first podcast and then you mentioned it again at the beginning of this one population densities right i mean these diseases yeah. would stay in these little puddles of humanity if you will and then a flood comes and all the puddles get joined and it's yeah. but it's kind of like um you know for millions of years our bodies have evolved to hang on to every calorie because you're on the plains in africa and you don't know when you're going to get the next elk and then all of a yep. sudden seemingly overnight you know a century is a blink of an eye in terms of humanity is you have McDonald's and you can have Uber Eats drop off a 10,000 calorie pizza at your house. And no, but we still have all the old instinctual food tastes good, fat tastes better, you want carbs, eat more, sleep more. But yes. we have this old technology, our human body. So we're at this weird thing where all of a sudden I can go eat 12 slices of pizza and then I want it again tomorrow because my body still thinks that I'm on the Serengeti, it doesn't know I'm mm-hmm. in
0: 2021 America. Yeah.
1: I can, it almost feels like we're at the same thing now where we're at this, the world is interconnected and you can, like you said, you can be at a wet market and 12 hours later, you can be walking through like, you know, the pristine fluorescent lit lobby of JFK or Newark. You can go downtown, and then you can catch a flight to LA. I wouldn't,
0: I wouldn't give JFK that much. Yeah, well, okay,
1: all right, whatever. Uh, Hartsfield Jackson. I like Hartsfield Jackson. That's an that's a little bit nicer, right? Okay, or you're at a shithole like Newark or something. I don't know, All right. Whatever it is, you could catch an A380 over to Abu Dhabi. That is, I love that plane. I've never been on one. It, 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 it it's, it's a, like it used to be. What do you mean? Oh, like before you were born. Oh, back when it we was... All, you,
0: as little kids, we had to put a suit on if we were going to fly.
1: Oh, it was an elegant thing.
0: Um, oh, yeah. You didn't want it to end. Yeah.
1: That's, on a side note, that's what I... I've Nothing to do with pandemic planning. Man, I, I've never been on the A3. I've never been on a 747. I want to go on an A380 so badly. I just want to... Abu Dhabi Abu is
0: a very clean... City. I mean, there's not a scrap of paper out of place. I've been over there a number of times training their doctors. Yeah, they'll probably. And, uh, and some of their healthcare people. And you can go out at three at night. Nobody's going to bother you. You want to walk around the block, walk around the block. Food is great. I, I like the food over there. I really do. They're... And um, they're nice people. Yeah. They are.
1: Yeah. It's, but the fact that all of human history, it used to be, you didn't travel to Abu Dhabi. You'd maybe migrate. If you were like a wealthy guy, you might take a six month long boat trip to Abu Dhabi and then come or back. But the animal
0: from Kazakhstan, that's something. what, that's
1: what I mean. Oh. And you have all this time. Whereas now I could just, I could take whatever's in my bank account and buy a ticket to Sydney And I could go there tomorrow. And it's, well, now all of a sudden, whatever's brewing here in Maryland is in Sydney or is in Tokyo.
0: This, This was very interesting to watch, Tommy, now that you bring this up. If you look at the intervals between pandemic waves in 1918 and now. In spite of the increased travel, you're still seeing kind of the same interval.
1: That's insane.
0: Yeah, there's a rule here somewhere that we're missing.
1: Yeah, there's there's some constant that we're not we haven't hammered. There's down.
0: A, there's there's something that we're missing here. And the Israelis noticed it first, and wrote a paper on it. I had to have it translated from Hebrew. But I've never forgot it. This was over a year ago. There's there's something peculiar that we're missing here. Some law. Yeah. And the, hmm. you would think with air travel compared to steamships.
1: You know what it might be? If I could take a stab at it, because you're right, population's mm-hmm. are going up exponentially, your ability to travel, right, just in the last century, no. which is nothing in no. the blink of what it might be is it might act could it be the parallel genetic recombinations of you're not just traveling, but now people from Abu Dhabi are marrying and having kids with people from Dallas. Could it be that there's a parallel uh it could be advance in, in recombinant new genomes? Is that
0: maybe people, it's that? Well, I don't know about that. Right. People have suggested the Arctic tern. It's a very pretty little bird. It's got a black head and a white body, and that little guy does nothing but start up at the North Pole and fly to the South Pole, and then it flies from the South Pole back up to the North Pole. On these routes, that's all it does. And it poops on everything along the way. And of course, influenza viruses, it's nothing to a bird. Unless it's really one of those pathogenic avian strains. Um, birds really don't get that sick from it. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's the male. We think it was the male, or at least the male people, that got the 1918 thing into Alaska. I don't know. Maybe it's money. We know some of these viruses can survive for an extended amount of time, even on polymer banknotes. I don't know. It, it, doesn't,
1: make, it doesn't make sense that you're right. The air travel and the population but there's still the same intervals between waves. Um, yeah. That's re- I didn't know that. That's re- okay. Well, well that, that kind of screws my whole argument. I was talking about like pizza and everything. And I was going to say, we, now we have this ability to travel, but we still have this old world technology of like genetic transfer. But what you said now it's not making sense. It'd be like, if we could, it'd be like if well, right now you could eat pizza. I'm
0: and your fingers are all filthy because you wipe your nose yeah, all the time. Yeah, touching your face. And then you yeah. pay the pizza guy, and he takes it from you, and then he rubs his eye. Yeah, but even
1: that—it's you, you know, there's still more and more people use just debit or credit or Venmo. It's, it's still a card. But but even then, it doesn't make sense. It's it's well, you can do it online, but even then, it that all these things point to the intervals being less, yeah. but they're not. They're not. Well, that's, I'm, I'm kind of stuck Something on this. Off. That's got my mind
0: turning. What What is yeah. it? Yeah. So we caused this. We caused a lot of this ourselves. By the way, we responded to it. Take-home points. Lockdowns are a myth. They were never part of any pandemic plan. Maybe initially, just like a brand-new thing, just to try to get ahead of it. But not going on for off and on for years and destroying the economy. Most viruses don't do very well. Anthrax will decay at 1% per minute in the open air. Okay, anthrax, smallpox will decay about 1% per minute. These viruses don't like being outside the body. So having a birthday party or something, you know, reasonable distance apart, daylight, UV light. Yeah. These things <laughs> don't these things don't like ultraviolet light. It it it, com, it you create dimers in mm-hmm. their genetic information. They don't like the oxygen in the air. They rest, they oxidize their proteins. They don't like the humidity. If it's too humid out, osmotic pressures pull the virus apart. So not everything, you know, is a bioweapon. Yeah. So, indoors, you have problems. Outdoors, you have less problems. You you don't shut businesses down. It was never part of any pandemic plan. And now it just seems to be the norm. Oh yeah, close everything down. Oh my God. And it was promoted by the chairman of the Chinese Communist Party and the W.H.O. That's where it started.
1: And they have the best intentions for the U.S. economy. Well, they love us, don't they? Why would they want us to falter in
0: any way? Yeah. They were behind the curve. They were in real trouble. China? China? in 2019 yeah oh yeah
1: trade war well i was gonna say oh I, I, i was gonna say in general i'm just sticking i'm just sticking with COVID. okay
0: they were in serious trouble and we had everything going for us and then what we didn't have going for us was a functional center for disease control and a conflict of interest-ridden NIH and big pharma operating unregulated. And just a revolving door? And a revolving door. So it, it was interesting that um, Dr. Hahn, um, he screwed up everything he touched at the White House, literally, from allowing millions of dollars worth of useless uh, lateral flow assays for COVID antibody testing and to the pool plasma thing, to hydroxychloroquine and everything. It's interesting that he's, just took a job with the venture capitalist company that uh, funded all of the Moderna vaccine. (laughs) You can't make this stuff up. (laughs) Six months after leaving, he's uh, chief medical advisor. It's like what Tim
1: Dillon said. Tim Dillon said about coincidences and specifically now around like the revolving door of FDA, Pfizer. He goes, a coincidence is you're born in New York, and you're down in Mexico City, and someone on the same flight as you is also born in New York, and you get to talking. You go, I'm from Brooklyn. I'm. That's a coincidence. A coincidence no. is not when the head of the FDA <laughs> leaves and ends up at the head of, head of Pfizer, or the head of the Reuters fact-checking is also on the board of directors at Pfizer. No.
0: Those aren't yeah. coincidences. No, those aren't coincidences. So, frustrating year. I personally accomplished nothing. Um, I built this whole podcast. Well, that was pretty good. But you can't give up. There's a lot of work to do. And you just have to get on with it the best you can
1: there's no point in giving up. Like we eventually, I have an odd take on this. I'll let, I'll let you go in a couple of minutes. I've kept you for two and a half hours. I have, I have an odd take on, on death. Everyone says like, you know, you have to die. I look at it as you get to die. Eventually the struggle, right? Buddha, life is, life is suffering. Eventually you get to lay down and you're done and you don't have to do it anymore. So I look at it as you get to seeing as how we get to die might as well fight, like let's you know, let's give him a black eye. Maybe that you know, but the idea of like, oh, it's all done. I just to me that oh, is no, no, I can't stand that. No, no, no. I, I to me there, that there's a fate worse than death, is the I, tail between the legs. Well, we can't, you know, people that are like America's past its prime. I mean, go fuck yourself. Like stand up tall. Let's give it a fight, and maybe it doesn't work it doesn't matter we get to die it's why i went into the podcast and i remember thinking there's two ways this is or i went into the pandemic sorry because i started the podcast on december twelfth,
0: 2019
1: okay i went in thinking i was living at home i was 29 years old and i was like i can go into this thing and just wallow in self-pity i have no social life i don't have nothing going for me and now there's a pandemic just lay around and do nothing i was like or i can stay sane and every day I can listen to – I remember thinking if this goes on for a year, it won't go on for a year. Now we're at two years. But I remember thinking if I listen to an hour a day of an audiobook, that's yeah. 365 hours, average audiobook 10 hours. I was like, I can have 36 more books in my head. And I was like, okay. Cool. And then I thought, well, what if I just do one episode a day on this podcast? I'll have something to show for it. And now yep. we're still in the pandemic and this is episode 589 and – I've probably read 200 audiobooks in the last year. There's two ways you can go into things. You can say, oh, yeah. this is over, or you can go, let's get something out of it. And that's my logic is, you know, got be LeMay. You can say, we're done, or you can go, all right, when, I, when this war is over, I'm going to go become the Secretary of the Air Force, and I'm going to set up Strategic Air Command, and I'm going to make sure that we're going to have Operation Chrome Dome. We're going to have missile silos. It's never going to yeah. happen again. That's how I look at it, is get to it.
0: Well, I've learned a lot. What I'm doing now, I'm at the local authority level. Um, Looking at how they responded to things and still are responding to things. So I don't have the state level perspective. But um, top, bottom... I can work the rest out. And pandemic preparedness has got to be from the local authority up. Will not work top down. I can't. And like everything else, you know, this fusion center needs an action arm for a surge thing into an, into a disadvantaged area if each state had a train. And you could tie this back in to um, the military drug system when things started getting like a year from expiration date, change it in for fresh stuff, keep it running in and out of the military medicine, the VA hospital system. There's ways to do this economically once you get it up and running. And then maybe once or twice a year Cycle the, for whatever state it's in, cycle it through your poorest areas and just run clinics. Yeah. Do easy surgeries. Just look after the people for a week or so.
1: Do the train routes and just do like tonsillectomies.
0: Everybody wins. Yeah. Everybody wins. And you get pretty
1: good at working out of a train. Yeah. I mean, it's a, a it's like military auctions where you can buy like an old Humvee from Desert Storm for like a thousand bucks. Keep yeah. keep the train. Do it once a year. I mean, we already have, right? Isn't September? Isn't that like National Preparation Month?
0: No, yeah, locomotives are the most expensive part. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to have a special locomotive. Sure, but you don't need tracks.
1: <laughs> Those have been there. Those have been there for a century and a half. The hard, the hard part's taken care of. Yeah. You know?
0: We've got these um, forward command pop-up operational bases that like, can be set up in like four hours. Everything just pops up. Those are ideal for 150 bed patient treatment centers. I'm not talking the old Depmeds hospital that took a while to set up. These forward operating things, it's like four hours, including kitchen, latrines, everything, it all comes self-contained. And the train's free to go off and do its train thing somewhere else. Yeah. It leaves that behind. Yeah. It's a complete neighborhood emergency health center, if nothing else, or an alternate treatment site.
1: And the trains literally go through the center of cities, you know? Airports, you can get cities. pretty close. This is literally <laughs> through the center.
0: This Well, and where are some of these forest disadvantaged areas?
1: Well, I mean what's the saying? Wrong side of the tracks.
0: Yeah. It's
1: that's where the fucking tracks are.
0: You're right there. You see what I mean?
1: Yeah. No, it, it really is. I mean, I like I said, your whole book is prophetic, but the, the the train system to me, it's just such a glaring thing that's right in your eye right in your face, and you're like, Oh, it's all right here. Like it can it can be done.
0: Yeah. No new, no new technology. The Australians make a stretcher ICU. The, um, the one that was developed for the Marine Corps, cause they'd outraced all their, in their first Gulf war, they'd outraced all their medical support. But these, uh, the Lstat stretcher, I think last I looked it was 40 K for uh, an Australian version of that. And um, I'm sure you could get some people to make it cheaper than that. But having the ICU as part of the stretcher, everything you need, ventilator, Mm -hmm. monitors, infusion pumps, and uh, a little bit of oxygen. So, there's got to be a will to do it. And there has to be a bit of fear driven it, I guess. I don't know. You would think people are so numb now, they don't know what to think. They they really don't. We're we're getting exhausted. So Mm. we'll see what happens. That's all we
1: can do. You know, maybe you just need like a a medical A380 and you go, if there's some weird, that would be, you're on the ground. I don't know. Some like medical, Delta Force and hazmats. Maybe you just go in and take everyone out that's sick. Go real brutal. I'm kidding. I'm kidding.
0: My pandemic plan was to be on the back of a yacht drinking a martini at sundown not taking ubers every day into work yeah my my Through rioters and tormentors
1: i've i've decided my preparation oh, no. if i can <laughs> make so, yeah, work out, if i can make some money on this podcast my plan is to go live in the woods uh and have everything i need maybe put up some uh some concertina wire and uh, I'll have myself figured out. I'm not I'm not going to worry about what happens to everyone else. I'm having a guy on Friday who builds private sh- uh, bunkers for people. Like he, Is that the steel ones? Uh, his They're all of, welded? Uh, yeah, it's called Atlas yeah. Shelters. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I'm having that guy on <laughs> <Yeah>. Friday. <laughs> cool. Yeah, and it's uh, I'm just laying the groundwork. I'm like, I need to get my contacts now, put in a whole bunker system <laughs> up in New Hampshire somewhere. I'm going to build my own NORAD. Dr. Hatfield, you can come stay with me. I'll need a medical professional. And uh, Thank you. I'll contract the Delta Force guys I'm, I interview. I have a place in West Texas. So okay, good, good. It's the middle yeah, of nowhere. I honestly, I, I'm getting to a point where I'm like, yeah, the best the best plan is plan for yourself because no one's coming for you. That's no Yeah. I'll have my food and water because no one's yeah. knocking on my door going, Tommy Kerrigan, here's your MRE. No, there'll be riots. And the military will be in a bunker underground. It's all the rest is going to shit. So.
0: World War Z. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's West Texas, Northern New Hampshire. We'll have our yeah. we'll have our network set up. But um, Doctor Hatfield, I've kept you for two hours and thirty one minutes, which is about. It's all right. No, I All right. Uh, all right. Well, I'm, I I reserve the afternoon. Beautiful. Well, thank you very much, man. Thank you for your time. Your book is insane. Three seconds till midnight. It's on Kindle. I'll put it in the description. It's not on Audible yet, so I'm going to have to dox points for you, from you for that. But uh,
0: it's Pete Navarro's book is coming out. I'm writing a second one, but he wanted to go first. It's coming out on the 3rd of November called, I think it's Trump Time, Diary of the Plague Years. And um, Peter explains a lot of what happened. I haven't read it. I don't know what's in it. But uh, he's usually very thorough in anything that he does.
1: Do you know him? Yeah. You think you could get him on here? Yeah. It could.
0: Wait till the book comes out.
1: Yeah. Well, of course, of course. I always. Yeah. I. Yeah. I have. I'm sure you Can't spoil it, but I might be having someone on later this month, wrapping up a book about the vaccines. Cool. And um, also, I want to ask you. By any chance, do you have any contact with Doctor Redfield? I've tried to get him on here so many times, and I can't—I can never get a response. All right, well,
0: it's worth a try. No, I, Doctor Redfield, I'm sure feels the same as we all do. Sure. Nobody was ever able to accomplish anything. Yeah. There were other forces involved.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's. I I really felt. You know,
1: my heart was with Dr. Renfield. Yeah. It's like a... A the, seriously good man. I mean, it must feel similar to, like, trying to find peace in World War One and talking to Krupp. And not only was Krupp building the artillery, they were also buying up all the barbed wire uh, companies. And it was like...
0: Well, you know, we were supplying them with steel during World War One.
1: Yeah. And you knew that? Yeah. And it's like, well... Are they really trying to stop this thing? That's kind of what I, yeah. I'm getting the vibe of is like.
0: Everybody, every it, look, this aged me a lot. Um, it aged everyone involved. Yeah. The sheer frustration of it. You can't even get a PCR test right. Why are you insisting on PCR tests? Doctors have been diagnosed, if you come to see me with a cold, do you think I'm going to take a nasal swab and go and see what cold virus it is? There's like 120 of them. Oh, no. Give me az pack Z-pad. I'm going to check your chest, I'm going to make sure your lungs are clear. There's no secondary bacterial pneumonia. Uh, send you, go get some cold medicine, stay away from everybody, wash your hands, stay in your room for a couple of days, it'll be over. Sleep. Yeah. Phone me if you start coughing or running a serious temperature or something, Don't worry about a secondary bacterial pneumonia. I gotta wait for the test to come back to give <laughs> you anything. Yeah. This is the stupidity of this whole thing. Absolute stupidity. Nobody is this stupid. Nobody. There was. They wanted those vaccines.
1: They were malicious actors.
0: They're, not... they're malicious I I think that's probably the best way to.
1: They're not the three stooges of. Well, we didn't know. No. They knew what they're doing.
0: No. Yeah. Yeah. No.
1: no, it's billions. It's right. It's three straight record breaking quarters for Pfizer. It's Moderna
0: doubling in market cap. Yeah. That's what it is. I refused to believe it until midsummer. Nothing else. When Rick writes whistleblower, because compl- we we didn't figure out we suddenly Rick's fired whistleblower complaint just didn't make
1: sense. All right, it's like the first concentration camp to be liberated was Ordruf. It's bad enough that you find this fenced in area with all these emaciated Jews. Yeah. Imagine if I'm sure one of those soldiers was thinking, Hey, I, do you think there are other camps? I guarantee everyone were there. was probably thinking there can't be others because this means it was intentional. And then you find, and then you find out that IG Farben helped construct them. Yeah. You don't want to believe it. You don't want, you don't. And it's not until you start to realize the full scope of it. And not only that, that they had records of everyone, IBM, IG Farben, Bear, Krupp, and you start looking at it, and you go, yeah, it's it's the human mind. It begs to, it goes, it can't be, it, because you, you're you a good person. And you go, this couldn't possibly be it. But you start to see the devil in all of this, and you go, um, oh, holy shit. There are some, there are yeah. some evil forces. There are some there, demonic there's just, people.
0: There's no other explanation.
1: And that's what it's going to, and I think most of the population is still in the uh, the mindset of, they understand the concept of it, that big pharma suppressing alternative treatments and that they want a vaccine sales. I think we're still a little bit away from people starting to go. It was plausible, but now I'm thinking that it was, it's what happened. Well, now
0: when they're pushing for outpatient treatments, using their new drugs, at $700 a dose. Yeah. A treatment. Um, I think that's when
1: everything will
0: hit the fan.
1: I think it will be more and it'll be that and then in addition to that it will be people like Joe Rogan with his own audience who's independent from YouTube and he comes out and goes, I'm not vaccinated, I got Ivermectin, I was fine in three days. Yeah. It will it will eventually seep through. It takes a while, but the truth is too big and it will be a turning point. You don't it's not gonna be this There will be a nuclear reaction. All of a sudden, it hits a critical mass. You're going to have enough people that are going, you know, I got fired from my job for this. And did you know that they were blocking ivory? It's going to come out. It's going to be some whistleblowers. And then it will start to pick up momentum. And then all of a sudden, because right now, there's a lot of people that are scared. They don't want to be the minority speaking out because they've got a job. They've got kids. And they're like, I can't, you know. I know. It's going to snowball. And then eventually, the minority will be the people defending. There
0: There comes a time when there's no choice but to stand up. Well yeah.
1: It's if you if you have kids in a world that you never stood up in, you're gonna leave them a world where they can't stand up.
0: Yeah.
1: It's or as my marine buddy says, for a long time people always said I can't do this, I have a wife and kids and now it's turning into I have to do this, I have a wife and kids. Yeah. It's uh
0: We'll see what happens. It'll be uh, uh there has to be accountability this time. There will be. And ultimately,
1: you get to die. That's how I look at it. Eventually, yeah. you get to check out, find peace and all of that. But um, Dr. Hatfield, I, yeah. I was going to say, I will let you go. I've kept you for two hours and 38 minutes. Fantastic. You're a brilliant individual. Everyone, please go get the book, uh, Three Seconds Until Midnight. And uh, you nailed it. I mean, crystal ball, you nailed, an eerie eerie amount, you nailed it.
0: Unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's nothing good about saying I told you so, but I mean. Yeah. you, You cracked it out of the park. It's a terrible thing to be right about, but you got it.
0: Yeah. Well, Tommy, always good to talk to you, man.
1: You too, sir, and if, uh you ever have an idea of what lottery numbers i should get tell me because you you picked this right so fuck it let's take a crack at powerball we'll see you later buddy (laughs) all right dr Havill, thank you so much sir god bless and until next time
0: take care have a good evening recording
1: stopped